Hey mamas, welcome back to the podcast. Today in episode four, I am breaking my silence about my miscarriage. Now my miscarriage was really recent. It was only two weeks ago now. Uh, So I haven't been silent for very long about it, but I feel it's important to use the spaces that I have, the platforms that I hold to talk about my experience. Because it's only after going through this heartbreak myself that I learned how common it is. And what I know to be true is that when we suffer alone and we hide our pain, it festers and it grows and it invades and permeates all aspects of our lives. And to be honest, I thought I would take longer to talk about my own experience, that I would need some distance and to be able to have perspective to speak clearly on on the subject to be able to have a clear message and but what I found is that I wanted to be here in this space with you I wanted to be connecting and building a relationship and growing together but it felt wrong to be sharing other types of episodes and pretending like this wasn't a cataclysmic event occurring in my own world and that the truth is that what I'm writing these days, what I am feeling called to share is greatly and deeply informed by my own experience and what I've also learned is that miscarriage affects more women than I ever knew. I hadn't realized that I thought that miscarriage was something that could happen. All of us mothers are aware of it. But that I had the story that it only affected a small percentage of women. A small small percentage of pregnancies were lost in miscarriage. And Since going through this experience myself, I've had almost every woman that I know share with me that they too have experienced a miscarriage. That the national statistic is that 50% of miscarriages end in an early loss or miscarriage. And, but within my own circle, that number is closer to 90-95%. And my heart hurts. My heart hurts a lot for myself, for the baby that I lost, for my partner and I, for our family. And it also... It also breaks that 
for every mother out there that's gone through this experience who has lost a child and yet has felt unable to speak about it, unable to grieve it that there was an inability to have the space to feel and and the support to do so. Because God knows, even though I have I have the gift of space to feel, there are many days where I would much rather not. And in fact, have done a very, very good job on so many days of returning to busyness and productivity and caring for others in a desperate attempt to not feel. Um, and to be honest, I, I don't have any notes for today. I don't know what, what I'll share in this time together or whether any of it will be of any use to anybody. Um, A good friend of mine asked me if I was okay with these women sharing their stories of miscarriage with me. That was in this moment of grief and loss that I am going through. Was it too much to then hold space for someone else's grief and loss? And what I feel is not... burdened by extra weight or grief. What I feel instead when these women share their stories with me is a sense of relief that we all are able to hold our grief together as a collective rather than as individuals. And as such, the burden becomes less. For me, feeling alone in my pain, feeling as if I am the only one, that I was something wrong and broken with me, creates such great pain. And the burdens become so heavy that they seem to break me apart. It is a comfort to me to know that I am not alone. So I hope that this message today will be perhaps the same for another mom out there. That maybe not everyone has the collective relationships and community that I have surrounding me and showing up for me right now that are such a gift that are able to hold all of these feelings with me. And that if you don't have that, I want you to know that I am here. I am part of your tribe. And together we are stronger. With such an experience like a miscarriage, it's so challenging to know where does the story even begin? Does it begin at the 
at the very beginning, at the moment of conception where, you know, my partner and I chose together to create a life and we decided together to defy what would be societal norms of the right time and the right life circumstances. We were not living together. We both have children from other relationships in which we consciously co-parent and I've been going through a messy divorce and that has dragged on and on. From the beginning, this child of ours was an invitation to love. An invitation to love ourselves more deeply, to love each other in our own unique ways, and also to know that we would be consciously creating a very dynamic and fluid uh, family unit that would be ours and ours alone and that there would be a lot of external pressures and stories from people who loved and cared about us as well as from the world and society in general. But we chose love and we created a child. And from the beginning, it was a rough pregnancy for me. There were many times when I was worried that the stress of my life and the uncertainties that we were facing, as well as the physical challenges that seemed to plague me and wouldn't pass by, would result in a miscarriage. From about 10 weeks pregnant to 13, 14 weeks pregnant, I mostly stayed in bed. I was worried with the pelvic pain I was experiencing as well as the cramping and intermittent bleeding that my baby was in danger. But at each checkup that I had, the heartbeat was strong and everything else seemed okay. We began making plans and building our future and preparing for this baby. And then a day that started like every other day. We all got up and got my son ready for school. I wasn't feeling well that morning. The nausea was back and the fatigue and tiredness. And I remember feeling so frustrated that it had been just what felt like a week, maybe a little bit longer that I had had my energy back, that the pelvic pain had passed and that everything felt okay. And just a few days before in the previous week, I'd started to feel the baby move. And my son was building a relationship with our baby as well. And he would hug and kiss and cuddle and say goodnight to the baby growing in my belly, that they would both sleep well so they could grow big and strong together. My partner would sing songs and read stories to the baby so they would know his voice and build a connection with him as well as myself. 
the morning after I took my son to school, I came home and I just, I fell asleep. I couldn't seem to stay awake that morning. And I woke up a few hours later and felt like I could just keep on sleeping, but I had slept for so long in that first trimester. I wanted to do life, there was things to do. And so I got myself up and got myself into the shower. But almost immediately once I was in the shower, something was felt off. I could reach down in between my legs and feel the umbilical cord coming out. Panic hit me when I felt that cord. I just started crying and saying, no baby, no baby, you're fine. That panic was overwhelming. It felt impossible to function. But after losing myself in that fear, I took a moment to ground myself. Deep breaths. A hand on my belly and a hand on my heart to calm myself down. I needed to do something to take care of my baby. And I wasn't going to be able to do that screaming and crying in my shower. Getting myself out of the shower and dressed, it felt so surreal to be doing something so normal. Grabbing the towel off of the same rack to dry myself off picking clothes out of the closet from the exact same clothes that I always choose from, to getting my phone out and finding the nearest ER, to making the phone call to my partner who was working that day out on the road. You know, when his text message came through back, he hadn't been able to answer, and he sent me a message that said he was sorry he was with a client. Is everything okay? And just that moment of no, it's not. It's not okay. Getting myself to the hospital and getting myself checked in was the beginning of the hard decisions. Each time that you have to make these decisions and take that step forward, you think this is the the hardest thing I've ever done and There's certain experiences and that we go through that each hard decision is the beginning. It isn't an isolated event. It is the beginning of a journey of hard decisions. Perhaps 
the part that I still really struggle with is the the powerlessness that you feel where there's a moment where you understand there is no do-over and there is no opportunity to make a harder decision that what has happened is final that your loved one is gone and it's these moments that we have a soul awareness come in that we would have found the strength, that we have a depth within us to choose to make hard decisions. There are so many times where we believe that we can't, you know, when we're in the midst of something challenging, we can't handle this, I can't do this, I don't want to, so many things, right? And then when we lose the opportunity to have someone with us, we often reflect and say, I would have done anything, anything, if only I could keep them with me. And the moment that I was there in the ER and the doctor came in with the ultrasound machine and told me that my baby was gone was one of those moments for me. Those moments where I was so sorry that I had complained about being sick. That I had complained of the fatigue and And all of the upheaval that a new baby creates, particularly in a dynamic where you aren't settled in a relationship and it's there's so many moving parts and how often I had just wished for some peace and calm and certainty. I had stressed and strived to have a plan and to know what the plan was and to know what the next step was and the moment when you realize that there is going to be no forward that for whatever reason that moment was the end the end of your journey together with this soul
something that I've read that doesn't make sense to me was that earlier term miscarriages are easier on the mental and emotional and physical health of a mother. What I believe is that our grief is not relative. It isn't that because I carried my baby 18 weeks, my grief is more than a mother who carried their baby five weeks. We were joined together with a soul walking on a journey. Whether that journey lasted a few days or it became a journey that will last for years. Losing that compatriot, losing that fellow soul. is heartbreaking. And I think that it is very typical of our westernized society that segregates the individual pieces of ourselves, that we take care of your physical body over here and your emotional body over here and your spiritual body way over there. The system that's obsessed with labels and boxes to put people in and experiences into and says, well, this is this type of grief and this is that type of grief. From what I know and have experienced in my life, grief is grief and the only degree within which it variable is variant is the degree to which we allow ourselves to feel it. And this is the piece of my story where my sobriety becomes an integral piece of this experience. Losing my baby has been the first time in my life that I've given myself over completely to grief. To feel it in the moment to be completely present with it and to make the conscious decision to deny all sources of numbing. When my partner arrived shortly after, the doctors had performed the ultrasound and we were brought into the labor and delivery room to begin to deliver our baby. My partner looks over to me and he said, when I got your call and I listened to your message, all I wanted to do was to stop at the store and to get a six pack of beer. And my partner isn't an alcoholic. But we're both very intentional about creating a life where we don't rely on substances. But in that moment, I could look over to him and say, I get that. I get that feeling. And I get how hard it was to make that hour drive back past 
every single gas station and every single place in our in our world that sells alcohol and the opportunity to not feel right the billboards the marketing everywhere That comment that he made sparked a conversation between us, an intentional conversation about how we were going to handle those next steps together. I shared with him that I didn't want to have any type of medication, pain medication for the labor. I was far enough along in the pregnancy that the process of delivering our baby would be the same as far as contractions and the pain of the contractions. I would simply be delivering a much smaller baby. And at every stage along the way up to that point, every time a nurse or a doctor or a tech walked into the room, they made the offer and suggestion of pain medication at any point and the different modalities of the medication available. And it was important for my partner and I to create that intentional space to be able to truly talk and say, what was on our mind and what was on my mind was a fear as well as a knowingness that if I chose that pain medication to numb myself, to not feel that I would deliver our baby and when I walked out of that hospital and the medication began to wear off the likelihood of me picking up a drink again to keep myself numb was so high. I chose not to have medication because my intention had been to not have medication at the birth. I had begun doing the mindset work and meditation and breath work and had plans to work with a midwife for a supported unmedicated birth. And so that was part of the reason that I chose not to have pain medication that day. And that could have been the only reason that I shared. I could have only told my partner that he knew that part of my plan. But I knew that I needed accountability. I knew that I needed to not hide the whole truth. And the whole truth was that yes, it was a conscious and proactive decision to hold true to my intentions for my birth. But there is also a component that I am not only an alcoholic in 
when I sit in an AA meeting or when I lead a coaching session or I sit down here on this podcast, but that that is a part of me that permeates all aspects of my life and that it informs every decision that I need to make and the life that I choose to live. For the longest time, I thought that getting sober was about creating happy moments where there'd be pictures and I'd be smiling and you could see like she is actually really happy. She's, she's alive in a way that I never was when I was drinking. But as I lay there in that hospital bed and I made that decision What I recognized was, yes, sobriety has given me the gift of the good, but it has also given me the strength mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually to stay present in the midst of the hard. Choosing to be fully present without distractions, without numbing, was both the hardest thing that I have ever done and it's the greatest gift I ever give myself. The labor pains, those contractions. I remember sending a message to my good friend saying, if I didn't believe it before this, I believe it now. Moms are superheroes. I had had an emergency C-section with my first son and had never experienced the full labor contractions before. And It's an indescribable feeling to have your whole body feel like it's happening to it at one time. It's from that it consumes everything. It brings all of your attention and resources to your, to the center of your being. In one of the pregnancy books that I had read, I believe Magical Beginnings by Deepak Chopra, they had talked about a practice of dancing between the labor contractions to help ease the pain as well as keep the muscles of your body and your ligaments fluid, uh, not locking up that can create further damage and greater pain. And so between the contractions, My partner and I would walk up and down in this labor room. And after about four hours, he just gently swayed me and sang in his beautiful voice, stand by me. And without any pain, 
without any big to do, just in that moment as my partner and I were fully present and there holding each other in our embrace in a moment of love, I baby slipped from my body. And last week I had written on my Instagram that our baby was created in a moment of conscious love where both his father and I were completely present and in union together and it felt so beautiful that in his final moments he was born in conscious love where his father and I were fully present and conscious and connected in deep union. It's difficult to say that's the end And that's my story because the story continues. The story of what is life like afterwards? The moment of just absolute and complete surrealness to walk back into our home where at noon the day before I had been putting together some lunch to have after my shower and it was still sitting there. And so I cleaned it up and I put fresh food on. And at noon, 24 hours later, I sat down and I had lunch in that very same space. but fundamentally different. There is absolutely no experience. Like walking into a hospital pregnant. And walking out without your baby. One of the gifts that my partner and I gave to each other during those long hours there in the hospital was to talk over with each other and to begin to think of how we would hold the memory of our baby, of what felt right and good for each of us and how would we go about that? That there in the hospital bed as we 
we lay next to each other with the lights dimmed and soft music playing to talk over. Building a garden and creating a space where our our son would always be a part of our lives. Since coming home from the hospital each night, I've created the ritual of walking beneath the stars spending time just outside. Sometimes I talk with my son. Sometimes I just sit and cry. Sometimes I take my phone with me and connect with a friend. In these past few weeks, I've felt everything from the deepest, darkest grief where it feels unclear how life will go on, how life could even go on. The feelings of guilt and shame that life was going on. To moments where I felt okay, that I was able to function and do things and make it. And then there's been moments where I felt good. And the greatest struggle with those good moments is that often they come with a feeling afterwards that that's wrong to feel good. When those feelings come up where it feels wrong to feel good, where I question my humanity, where I question my motherhood, where I question how could I, if I truly loved my baby, how could I feel good now? In those moments, I remind myself that my baby was always an invitation to love. He was our invitation to love. To love not just himself, but to love ourselves and to love our family. And that the invitation that he brought into our lives doesn't end just because he's not here with me. That I am not honoring his memory well by self-harming and by continuing to exist in darkness. What he inspired within me was that invitation to love and the greatest way that I can honor his legacy is to truly live my life in pursuit and in embracing and acceptance of radical love.
to be love. The truest form of love, beyond conditions and expectations and limitations, To live the truth that a mother's love is eternal, that it exists beyond limits of time and space. I find comfort in the Buddhist teaching that our souls don't die, that my son's soul is somewhere out there in the universe. And his soul may be journeying on somewhere else to bring that message of love and an invitation to someone else, to some place else, and where he's needed, where his spirit and soul are desired and so needed. And what I can hope is that wherever his spirit ends up, He will feel my love. That in his existence, he will always feel a presence of love supporting him. That maybe people will ask him, how do you stay so full of love? And he may say, I don't know. I just feel it's always a part of me. As I move into this next step of my journey, what I've come to believe is that I have not lost my baby. I've lost him in my physical world here upon this earth, but I have not lost him. For just as a mother's love is eternal and exists beyond all limitations, so too does everything else. And that this Experience has invited me to alchemize, expand, to breathe deeper into love and consciousness. And that as challenging and as difficult as these past few weeks have been, and that if I had a magic wand, I would choose to keep my baby here with me and healthy. That I would not have it another way. I reflect on the gift of having a partner so present and with me. Of the gift of sobriety and the challenges that that has brought to my life the past three years 
because it is through each of those challenges that I had the mental and emotional strength to stay. To hold my baby and to feel him in my arms. To name him and to love him and to hold him as long as I could. The gift of presence gave me the ability to imprint upon my consciousness the memory of my child. As I reflect back on other periods in my life of loss and grief, they're fuzzy. The edges of those memories, there's a surrealness and an unsurety, did that really happen? Do I remember it accurately? The fuzziness and the padding provided by the bottles and bottles of wine. Both at that event and of the years to come of the, the accumulation of the unprocessed traumas of my past that led me to need to numb in the first place. And the awareness that losing my baby is not going to be like that. That the feelings that I have are sharp and poignant. The memories forever etched upon my consciousness and printed there for all of my time. They will fade as is normal. But not in the way of the past. As I sit here, I'm not sure how to end or really where to begin because that is the journey, that each experience in each moment is both the end of that moment and the beginning of the next. When in seasons of deep grief, it's, it feels confusing. What side is up, what is down? What is the right decision and what next step should I take? I'm going to allow my baby to help guide me and us with a reminder to release. Release into love. To love ourselves, to love others, to love our experience and our journey.
just love. Simply love.